Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we are going to talk about the 1985 movie, The Black Cauldron. My name is Sarah. I'm the mom of a six-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey. I am the mom of an adult and a 10-year-old and a four-year-old. It's a wild ride. (laughs) So this movie has... I liked this movie. I liked I, it a lot. I really like, enjoyed it. More than it. I expected. To, like, mm-hmm. I kept thinking, because I know that I have seen this. I know mm-hmm. that I have seen this. But why don't I remember any of this movie? And so surely it must be bad. I mean, that was the train of mm-hmm. thought leading up into the watching of this. I don't remember it. So surely right. it must be bad. Yeah. It's not so, bad. No, it's not bad. Um. It is 55% rotten on the tomatometer, though. <laughs> well, I can understand why. And and we'll get into that because yeah. there's history here. This too, movie, right? while it has a lot to talk about plot-wise, it's the things that happened behind the scenes that make this movie right. interesting. So just to start off with, um, this is a PG movie. For f- for some scary images, according to Disney the Plus, first Disney movie ever animated. Yes, it's Disney the first movie ever Disney to, to movie get a PG rating. Right, and the reason for that is because Disney was trying to appeal to teenagers. So that's an interesting thing. I mean, <laughs> we like the kid market's not big enough. Like you can't sell enough. Man, they really, they bungled it in so many ways. They really did. They really did. So, speaking of knowing you had seen this movie, but not remembering it, I don't think I had ever seen this movie. And the reason that I don't think I've ever seen this movie is because this movie was beaten at the box office by the Care Bears movie, and I was, like, full-on Care Bears movie, like, obsessed. So you were, what, four at the time this movie four? came out? Yeah. 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 This wasn't for me. The, no, the Care this Bears movie, movie was, was for me. not for you. Care Bears <laughs> But, was like, the Care you. Bears movie, I can, like, I can, it, it's seminal. Like, it's in oh, my yeah. life. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're older. <laughs> so it's not like, I don't remember. Like, I can close my eyes and see the bear stomachs. Y'all are missing yep. you do the bear mm-hmm. flex here. Like, yep. yeah. Yeah. I can see so, it all vividly. <laughs> it was a it was a commercial failure this movie. It cost 44 million dollars to produce and it only grossed 21 million domestically. Um I think it came in fourth at the box office on opening weekend behind like the Care Bears movie and oh I can't remember there was another movie that had been out. It was a rerun though. It was a rerun of Yeah, it was a movie that had been out for a year. E.T. It was, it was a rerun like of E.T. This movie sucked so bad, it was better to go watch <laughs> E.T. phone home a second time. Yeah. Yes. So, the re- there's a lot that went on in the background for this oh movie. God, but the y'all. most important thing to take into mind, in, to keep in mind when we're talking about this movie is to know that the failure of this movie directly impacted the trajectory of Disney all the way, and including 
till now. This is still Mm -hmm. impacting Disney. And the Mm -hmm. reason for that is because this is the movie that initiated the the conversion of Disney from the meticulous animation style of Walt Disney to the bare bones, let's do it as cheaply as we can, uh, animation style that began under Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Mm -hmm. Katzenberger. At one point... Boo! (laughs) So at one point, the two of them actually considered getting rid of Disney animation altogether. Think about that. Think about Disney without animation. Considered is not strong enough a word, Sarah. The two of them (laughs) had a hard-on to get rid of Disney animation, and they plotted its demise in every way conceivable. Like, I want you to put on your twirling mustaches villain (laughs) cat here, because, like, really, 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 Mm -hmm. they hated Disney animation, Mm -hmm. and they hated having to deal with it as an entity, and if it would just fucking die, everyone would have been better off as far as the two of them were concerned. Right. Yep. And I mean, still to this day, Disney animation has not recovered from that time. And that's, I think it's fair to say that the reason that Disney animation still has a claim that it has is because of the integration with Pixar. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be where we are. We wouldn't have things like Frozen. We just wouldn't. It wouldn't. Disney would have fizzled out with animation, I think. And they were. I mean, I really, I truly think that after Princess and the Frog, they would have given up. I think that would have been the last hurrah, were it not for Pixar. And it's really... Y'all probably don't care about this the way that we care about this, but it makes me so angry because there is so many good stories that have not been told Mm -hmm. or have been told improperly because Disney as a corporate entity couldn't pull its head out of its ass Mm -hmm. in time to figure out that this was actually a property worth saving. And we talk about Disney, modern Disney right now, as being the best of its kind at creating movies that teach our children in meaningful ways. And just think of all of the stories we've been missing because they just Mm -hmm. figured that shit out. They had 40 fucking years to go and make some really incredible movies. I want to, I want to live in that parallel universe where, Mm -hmm. where, Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberger didn't get a hold of Disney animation because those movies would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was also the last movie that was produced by Disney in the original Burbank Disney animation mm-hmm. building. That's After this, also they, very they, important. They basically shipped the animators off to like a warehouse a somewhere where everybody they was them miserable. To a she shed in the desert. Y'all suck. <laughs> Go draw over there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, a pretty miserable time after this. I mean, there was the success in the 90s, but even then, there were still a lot of like really terrible Disney movies being pumped out. And the worst part about it, specifically for this film 
is that they purchased the rights early in 1970. Mm -hmm. So this is a five-book series. We'll talk about the books a little bit because Sarah's already bought them. But it's a five-book series, and we purchased it, Disney purchased it in 1970, and then they used it to lure animators to the studio as, like, this crack candy. Come, come to Disney, and this is what you'll get to be a part of. This story, this film, and then... They kept delaying production mm-hmm. so long that our good pal, uh, Don Bluth. Bluth, quit over it in 1979, went, fuck you guys, I'm leaving, took 13 animators with him, and so we really didn't have a team mm-hmm. to draw this movie at that point in time. I mean, they sabotaged the production of it, which led to a subpar movie. And I say subpar, and I mean that in the best of ways, honestly, because given what they had to work with, it's not a bad film. Mm-hmm. But. They sabotaged it, it tanked, and then they had the privilege of being able to say, well, look, we're not doing animation right anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh! Right. I mean, there are so many places they went wrong with this, but, like, just the fact that they took what is, I think, a five-book series mm-hmm. and had the... Um, at that time, Disney was firmly against sequels. Yes. So there so was never going to be a five-book series on this. It was always going to be a single movie. And I apparently, I mean, we just talked about, I, we neither of us has read the books, but apparently in the books, the Horned King is like a minor villain. He's not the big bad. So there were other <laughs> really big inconsistencies. The Horned King called the princess a... Uh, uh, what did he call her? Chambermaid. She made a disgusted face, but we never got the end of that sequence. <laughs> like, Princess Chambermaid feels like an important distinction to me. Yeah. There yeah. were... And I feel like, because you said, Hinwin, you thought would turn into a girl. I did, too. I so feel like I had that's this... there. Well, I had never seen this movie I mean, seen like marketing stuff for it. And so I knew there was like a girl or a princess in it. And so if you had asked me what the plot of this movie was ahead of time, I would have told you that Henwin turns into the princess. Okay. But there's more <laughs> Because she's Henwin. got such beautiful eyes. <laughs> she did. Lovely. The, 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 the fortune-telling pig. The oracular. Oh, right. I love that word. That was so good. Now, let me (laughs) please just say, for what he had to work with, Sir John Hurt managed to make the Horn King a villain. Like, he did Mm -hmm. a good job. I was quite pleased with the villainness of it all. For a villain who basically does nothing. Right. I'm literally nothing. He he throws, he, he he hauls dead bodies around. That is literally all he does. He he beats up on on an imp like yeah nothing. Yeah. 
He makes right. threatening noises. <laughs> so it's really I I don't know. It, he's not the big. I gotta read these books now. I'm yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I ordered them. I ordered them because apparently the um, the throwaway explanation of these books is Tolkien for tweens, mm-hmm. but that's apparently not doing it a service. Basically, it's a book with a world that's as rich as a Tolkien story, but with language that's more accessible for younger younger readers. Well, and they did a great disservice to the story. So the thing yes. about Tolkien is the travelogue is where character development happens, mm-hmm. right? That's and where... how many times have we talked about that in general? You know, yeah. the road trip film, the basically. The road trip is happens, that. and it's a thing. And that's, if we're making the Tolkien comparison, that's second breakfast and potatoes, mm-hmm. precious, right? What's taters, precious? Mm-hmm. Like, those are the sequences that when we talk about those movies, those are the ones that we carry with us yeah sure Mm -hmm. it's a great epic tale of good and evil but taters precious and (laughs) i don't think he knows about second breakfast pip like Mm -hmm. that's and and when we skip that part Mm -hmm. 10 minutes that's all it would have taken 10 minutes Mm -hmm. to get us to morva where we did a little bit of character development it's not Mm -hmm. a long movie i don't know why Mm -hmm. we couldn't have included it um, so I wrote in my notes that this is a weirdly complex world and it could have been a whole television series. That was before I looked into like the origin, like what the, um, the IP was that brought this movie about. So that's why I'm interested to read the books because yeah, like, it's, it looks great. It's, I'm, I'm excited to, to dive into this one, I think. <laughs> I also, and I'm glad I watched the movie first because I did actually enjoy the movie. I actually oh, really yeah. liked this movie. I liked it enough to be interested in the books, which is why I always yeah. watch the movie first. And yeah, I will. So, but be... I'm usually the opposite. I'm usually I read the book before I see the movie. But in this case, I'm glad I saw the movie before I'm gonna. Read oh the yeah, because the movie was gonna suck if you'd read the <laughs> books first. Unquestion, I, I, without any doubt in my mind. This movie sucks if you read so, the books. <laughs> when I told my husband I was ordering the books and I explained to him, like, <sighs> that it's Tolkien for tweens, but with more accessible language, because he's, like, a huge Tolkien fanboy. Like, he loves it. But um, he was like, oh, okay, so they don't have names like, you know, whatever. He named, like, a bunch of the really difficult names to pronounce. And I'm like, oh, no, it's still uh, well, based actually. on wealth mythology. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, actually... <laughs> No. All I know about whales, I learned from watching the show Gavin and Stacy, which is what James Corden like got his start in. Um, it's a really good show if you ever get a chance to watch it. But that's literally all I know about whales. That and um, when Prince Charles had to learn Welsh in The Crown. <laughs> right, because he's Prince of Wales, which is a whole thing that the Welsh would be happy. To have a four-hour discourse about how yeah. <laughs> that's a slight against humanity, but yeah, <laughs> the the Celtic tribes are a whoo fucking thing unto themselves, and I say that right now as 
Um, the Scottish National Party just won its majority. It is going to be looking to have a uh, vote, an independence vote here soon. That's not going to go very well. And it's really fascinating to me how we kind of just totally ignore the fact that England has a whole bunch of countries still held uh-huh. hostage and we're right. just all supposed to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Right. But the Scots aren't happy being British, thanks. And the Welsh, not really that happy about mm-hmm. it either. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched this movie twice, but... Uh, other than Taryn, I don't know anybody's name. No, I couldn't give you names. <laughs> no, we'll get back to... No, no. Names... Well, speaking sure. of Welsh, like... But, but um, that is... If I had made notes of these people's names, I wouldn't be able to pronounce them for you, because... Uh, I don't princess, know. Princess... Yeah, I mean, and I'm looking <laughs> at them, and I heard them, and again, this is travelogue stuff, Right. We have conversations where names get used a lot because the rest of the time they just get yelled out when shit's going Mm -hmm. wrong, right? Right. Yeah. Princess. But I will always remember Gurgi. Yeah, Gurgi. I love Gurgi. I would die for Gurgi. I I mean, (laughs) I. I also feel like that's probably a story we didn't get quite yeah, enough detail definitely. on. We certainly, I mean, Terran's sacrifice of great warrior for his <laughs> friend Gurgi was really great in the end, mm-hmm. I feel. like. I, so, there was how much cut out of this movie? Do you know? Uh, I don't know, but there was like a whole, like, thing with the Horned King bringing up dead warriors or something was cut out, right? I think that when we how to put this when we sanitize the bad stuff for our children, it makes the the good stuff not as impactful. Right. So, in watching this movie, I... I would watch, I would show this movie to my kid. I didn't think it was that scary. Like, I feel like we've encountered much scarier, um, including, like, the hell scene. But, like, even from that time period, the hell scene and all dogs go to heaven. Right. Although, I believe we both agreed we are not showing that movie (laughs) to small children anytime soon. But, no. There's, like, the difference between, and, and here's where Disney had a problem. And mm-hmm. the, the difference between a four-year-old and an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old and what they want to see on the mm-hmm. screen is profoundly, like, but eight to 12, sure, throw back in the scary stuff, please, mm-hmm. and let me show this to eight to 12 so that we can have a real conversation mm-hmm. about these sorts of things. I mean, 
The thing about the Horned King is there are real-life Horned Kings, baby. Mm -hmm. And I can absolutely use that as an analogy when we're talking about unfortunate political events these days, Mm -hmm. right? That's how we... That's that's why we use films to be able to make comparisons, analogies. But if we sanitize it... If we take out all of the the scary stuff, then the good stuff just doesn't mean as much. Right. Because I didn't cry over this one. No. That felt significant to me. Like, having not seen it, having seen Gurgi die, and I agree, like, I would, like, he was fucking amazing, right? (laughs) There was, this was a great, great character, and I should have been, should have been, mm-hmm. appropriately moved to tears when he died, and then again when he was brought back. But and we never get to be close to that character. No. None of them. No. So again, the bones. The bones were there. Mm-hmm. It could have been a really fantastic movie yeah another note i made was 10 minutes in and i already like this better than sword in the stone right so and it's funny because they both start very similarly Mm -hmm. like a boy and an old magician Mm -hmm. in a shed or like a shack rather well we chose this one because of their of its similarities Mm -hmm. to sword in the stone like, here's another thing. Did you know that that this was at least in part animated by John Lasseter and Tim Burton? I did. I did know that. This was the only you can official see thing. Tim Burton yeah. in it. This is the only I think official thing that Tim Burton did for Disney. Um, I think I read that anything he's not credited on any other Disney projects until he came back as like Tim Burton, you know. Right. Right here, he was just like a a Caltech Random, graduate. Yeah, yeah, he was just a, he was just an animator, but you can still see him in right. the work, and and you can see him again because the studio had been stripped down after yeah. Don left. And there was nobody, but we're going to make it anyway. So this is what we got. Called in mm-hmm. some people from Caltech. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I like that originally they were supposed, they had like these grand plans to have some like holographic, like in um, theater effects for when the Horn King brings up the um, reanimated. So, the ectoplasm Mm -hmm. is computer animated. Did you Mm -hmm. say that was... was... This is the first Disney movie with any computer animation in it. So, and and you can tell that that's what it is. It's it's Mm -hmm. the ectoplasm, some of the fire... Maybe some of the water, but I don't know if they had the ability to do that. That may be hand drawn. It's tough to tell, but but definitely the ectoplasm because of the color, right? That's that's not Mm -hmm. a that's not a color that you can get in a hand drawn cell, right? But they also played with the audio track, 
like, because mm-hmm. I was listening with my headphones on, and clearly there was some effort put into, it could have been amazing, with mm-hmm. some in-theater effects and the way that the sounds were done, like... They had, they had the story for it, and they had the technology for it. But at one point just... in time, they had the animators for it. Mm-hmm. Right. But. So I'm just going to assume that the animators who made the hell scene in um, All Dogs Go to Heaven could have been doing this instead. <laughs> like almost almost to look at it like. So there's the story, and I'm, I'm probably getting it wrong because it's been a while since I've read it, but there's this whole story about how when Disney opened the Animal Kingdom, it was supposed to be um, creatures from real life and fantasy. There was supposed to be like a whole fantasy section of the Animal Kingdom with things like dragons and unicorns and that kind of stuff. Um, there actually are dragons on like all of the original marketing products for the um, for the park. But this was like another, I think this was another Eisner decision that they tried to like slim everything down and get it out bare bones. And in doing that, they lost, they lost Imagineers and they lost that section of the park. But then, shortly after, Universal opened um, a section in their Orlando park that was all, like, medieval and has the dueling dragon roller coasters and, like, all this other stuff. So it's essentially Disney decided they didn't want to do this and then got rid of those Imagineers. But those same people ended up getting hired by Universal. And surprise, they took their ideas and they brought them somewhere else. And I'm not saying we're not better off for those things. Like, I'm glad those ideas went somewhere. Well, because that whole section in Universal is what eventually became Harry Potter world. So, like, the Dueling Dragons is still there. Like, they just rethemed it for Harry Potter. I mean, why not? Yeah. Why not? But... Can you imagine just Disney with a little bit more love for the <laughs> the art? I Again, I think that's another thing where Disney Parks is still working on coming back from that time period. I think I think the Michael Eisner was very focused on the theme park side of things, but then even still, he was trying to do it very bare bones. No, I think that's a disservice to the evil genius of Michael Eisner. He was focused (laughs) on making money. Well, yeah, yeah. And he didn't care about the means in which he made the money, just that he made the money. And... We've Arts. talked about it before, how we want to, like, go into that more, like, the Eisner years at Disney. It's really, we're just, we, we're not getting into it and getting fine, the, fine, 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 fine of what it was that he brought to Disney and how much he changed Disney. We need to get more into that sometimes. In, I will let you cut all of this out. We could, but. No, right. we'll keep it in, but I think no, we were I just agree. really we're digressing need to do on, it. Oh, man. Just, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, where are we at? 
This movie is like basically doesn't exist in the parks. There's a couple of mentions. There's been a couple of mentions through the years, but nothing that's ever lasted permanently. Um, yeah, it's it's just barely not even there. <laughs> I think in like one of the um, made for video um, like like movies shows that Disney did in the '90s, it's like a villains feature. They make mention of the Horned King, and that's about as good as it gets. Like that's about as much as you ever hear about this movie again. Um, I did want to particularly also highlight John Biner as Gergi and Dolly. Some of you are probably old enough to remember this. Some of you may have caught it on reruns. The Pink Panther. The Ant and the Aardvark. Do you Mm -hmm. remember? Yeah, Mm -hmm. he did both of those, and he did all of these, like, as usual, the voice actors that didn't ever get the recognition for (laughs) creating such iconic characters, but he he got got some good ones here, because Gurgi's voice is very much a part of what we love about him, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Dolly is probably my favorite character in the whole movie like nobody ever appreciates the guy who actually runs things (laughs) it's not the king doing the work it's the seneschal over there fixing shit sending the money out going on voyages with wayward expeditionaries like nobody ever gives that guy enough credit nope he was probably I'm trying to think. Probably a lot of fun in the books. Um, yeah. I'm wondering what else I might know him from because his voice sounded really familiar. But I'm well, not that's what I looked anything. him up for. I couldn't find like Love Boat, and like I couldn't give yeah. you. Any well, everybody one... was on the Love Boat. Well, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. That was probably. But uh, he's been in lots of places and lots of things, but not anything I could give you a visual, hey, this is the guy here. And the best voice I could find for you was the Annie Arberg. Okay. I'll allow it. Covered all of the conspiracy of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Except for, I think... There was, on the front end, then, also, in addition to tanking it on the back end, they also didn't advertise this properly. Mm -hmm. So, there was, man, the ways in which they set this film up to fail. Because there was inconsistent marketing for all of the different ad target segments that they wanted people to, to come in and watch this for. So there were literally different posters for the kids and for the teenager segments. And, oh, man, y'all. They really, they tried hard. And then on top of that, they didn't even release it to home video until 1998. 98. We got it in 85. more than 10 years. Yeah. 14 years later. (laughs) Oh, I guess have a black cauldron. It At which never... point it became a cult classic. Oh, yeah. 
So, for the few of us who actually watched it the first time around, because I don't know that I did in 85 either. I mean, that it wasn't ever released means that it was never on, like, HBO after, which... You couldn't rent it. You couldn't rent it, but it also wasn't then, I mean, it was the mm-hmm. only one. You had HBO or you had Showtime, and that wasn't until later, mm-hmm. later. So if it didn't appear in the theaters or on HBO, then it just simply, you missed didn't exist. it. You yeah. missed it. Sorry. Catch it next yeah. time, especially with Disney. And so I'm sure that I did watch it in 98. When it mm-hmm. circled back around. But even then, it was, for me, not a, I mean, I was a memorable years experience. old. I had other things to do with my time. Yeah. <laughs> right. I had, God, horrible <laughs> 90s fashion to wear and drugs to do. And... <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we have to ask the question, would the children actually do this? I believe. I think, I yes, think a kid would. Taryn's age would actually do that. Who wants to be a pig care, like a caretaker for a pig? So much of the movie, and I'm hopeful that the book paints him a little better, because a lot of mm-hmm. this is just a series of unfortunate events, because <laughs> Taryn was talking to himself into the mirror instead of doing what he was actually supposed to be doing. Right. Yep. Agreed. (laughs) But, again, that is, I must say, fairly typical of a 10 to 12-year-old boy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. My 10-year-old can't be roused from video games unless there's food in the (laughs) bribery like so I, I get it. Like that that seems that seems legit to me. Yeah. Did you watch this one with kid? I didn't even try. No, I mean I tried I today when I rewatched it, but I, I just... So the four year old I think he would have liked it if he sat with me, but I couldn't right, get him but, to come over. But they but they won't Part of it is, I I don't know, something about this era of soundtrack, they all kind of mm-hmm. go, no, I can't deal with that. Yeah. Because when I turn it on to the big screen, even with food bribery, they'll leave. But today, when mm-hmm. I was re-watching it on my tablet, the four-year-old was sitting next to me, blocking my view with his head in front of me, like... You know, six yeah. inches from the screen. I'm like, you you could have watched this last <laughs> night on the big screen, but no. Now you want to watch it on my eight inch tablet. Please right. help. I don't yes. understand. <laughs> but he couldn't hear it, and right. that is for that one in particular. He is very sensory. He scary sounds do him in a whole lot more Mm -hmm. than visual scaries like he love love loves uh fantasia is one of his favorite movies Mm -hmm. mount doom he loves (laughs) that one but 
there's a difference between an orchestral sequence and scary noises right. on a movie. So, Also, I think this one maybe starts off pretty slow. <laughs> it does. We spent, because I clocked it, nine minutes in that initial sequence of pig and pig boy and the importance of the pig, like... Mm-hmm. For anyone under the age of eight, after nine minutes, we've mm-hmm. clocked out. Like, mm-hmm. So I guess I would say I don't think... It, it's not that it's inappropriate for younger kids. I think you're just going to have a hard time getting a younger kid to try yeah. to, to like sit down mm-hmm. and watch it. Yeah, I think content-wise, especially because they have sanitized it so, mm-hmm. there's not anything honestly that offensive about it. And again, I... Dark stories have purpose. We use them mm-hmm. to draw analogies, make comparisons, tell other stories because we understand it and can relate it back to this thing. We we lost a little bit of the, the thing that we could relate back to here, but Right. But it's still fine. And it's I don't know. This one's a hard one to score. It's better than the sword and the stone. I don't remember what we scored that. <laughs> I don't one. know what I scored that one either. I, it I is a hard one to score. I don't know. Okay. Um, we gave Turkey Hollow a three. <laughs> we gave well, Monster this... House a three. I liked this as much as I liked Monster House. I'm okay oh, with giving easily. this a three. Easily, yeah. I liked it just as much as I like. And in fact, I liked it so. I liked the bones of it so much that mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna probably when we're done here head off to Amazon myself mm-hmm. and see if I can't buy these books because the story, the bones of it, yeah. I can see it peeking through, and it's got mm-hmm. real potential. Right. This so like film, my my husband and my son. Uh, my son is just learning how to read. He can't sit down and read a book by himself yet, but they sit, they read together every night and they've read up to the Goblet of Fire, up to and including the Goblet of Fire with Harry Potter, but they're going to take a break because like things get pretty dark after they that, right? They get heavy after that. So there, we made the decision we're stopping after Goblet of Fire until he's a little bit older. And because you're, you're meant to grow with Harry when you're reading the books, right? Our generation literally mm-hmm. did, at least mm-hmm. those of us that started it at fairly soon after it was right. written. So, yeah, I very much, I encouraged my children to to do that. Uh-huh. My, so, my daughter and he's ran read... ahead, but yeah. Yeah. He, they've read The Hobbit, but I don't think he's ready for no, Lord of the Rings not. yet. It's too it's too much, right? It's too it's gonna get bored out of his mind, you know. Well, and that's the thing. It's not even it's not even that the subject material is so bad. It's that it's a it's a tough read. It's just it's getting you ready for high fantasy. Yes, <laughs> and there are there are many incredible incredible authors that do that on an age-appropriate yeah. level and i am excited to see if this is one of those ones yeah because there's a lot too. of gaps there right like 
Because we've been trying, well, that's it. We've been trying to figure out what comes next. And I, at one point I was like, well, you could do the Golden Compass or, well, his Dark Materials. You could do uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't know. I'm not really a huge fan of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but those are, he's like a contemporary of Tolkien. So like, okay, I could see that. But like. C.S. Lewis is great. He's not great to yeah. women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, we've just, we haven't figured anything out yet. So they've just been like doing onesie twosie stuff, you know, lots of dog man and the bad guys. But I think this would actually fit really well for where they are, I guess. So I'm excited to have another book for them. Robin Hobb. Have you done Robin Hobb? I don't know. What are some of their books? His, her book? Her. Their books? Her. Her. Uh, it starts with the... Uh, Assassin's Apprentice. Okay. I'll keep and that in mind. Very literally, the apprentice assassin and his yeah. many adventures. Like you get to you get to grow up with him though, and so there's yeah. You, you start with the there's like sixteen of those. So okay. there's several, but they're written as trilogies or in one case, a quartet. Okay. So you can read them and then wait until... Yeah. Something right? else. Yes. Until they're at the right developmental age for the next portion mm-hmm. of that story. Yeah. I think that's important. So we'll continue our Disney um, <laughs> boy-led failures. <laughs> <laughs> So failures. Because <laughs> Atlanta, they tried. I, mean, I know, they tried. but they're good movies. Both of them is they're the thing. Bad like, movies. Yeah. Again, I'm so I'm so disheartened as we're going through this by just yeah. how many good movies got pushed through the cracks yeah. and could have been so so much better. All right. Atlantis it is. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've watched that one. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right, y'all. Well, that's it. Thank you for joining us for this walk down the depressing Disney lane. <laughs> Join us next time for probably... M- Probably more depressing things. Like, I don't know what the backstory is for Atlantis, but I have a feeling that when I get there, I'm going to be very disappointed by the way that movie was treated. You can find us, listen to a shell, latchkey movies everywhere. You can call us and yell back. We like that. 402-885-4875. And if you would care to purchase us some tacos, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash briar. We will eat your tacos and watch Disney movies and think of you, man. Think of you. (laughs) All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye.